For the third year and counting, Richard Skipper has been celebrating the artists you love. Richard Skipper is all about celebrating life, art, and his guest body of worth. Please join us while he showcases these diverse and talented individuals. Here's Richard Skipper. Happy Friday, everyone, and welcome to a very special edition of Richard Skipper Celebrates. Tonight, we are celebrating the musical legacy of Don Pippen. I never had the opportunity of working officially in a Don Pippen musical, although I appeared in a few in stock and amateur productions in South Carolina. I made my debut in MAME uh, in South Carolina, far away from Broadway. But I loved his music and getting to know him later in his life and in mine as well uh, was a real treat. Uh, we, I had the opportunity of interviewing him uh, several years ago uh, when I was writing a blog. And he also served on several panels that I put together over the years. And he was, as you're going to find out tonight, through uh, his friends and his colleagues, he was a true Southern gentleman. Perhaps that was why we bonded so well. He was a wonderful man. And I just loved the fact that I've never heard one person say a negative thing about him which is a wonderful legacy in itself in this business where so many people are quick to say a negative thing about this person or that person. His music will live on. And I think about the incredible legacy of what he's left behind in terms of his scores, uh, his friendships, and the memories that he's left with everyone. I think the last time that I saw Don was his last public appearance, and it was at Jerry Herman's memorial, uh, which was just before COVID. So I thought that that's where we would begin tonight, and you will hear from his friends and colleagues in their own words about what he means to them. So let's start with Don Pippen. Here he is. Please welcome the original conductor of MAME, Don Pippen. And Ron Raines. Dixie back to Dixieland You make the cotton easy to pick May You give my old mint a kick May Whoever thought a Yankee would put a little Dixie Bells to shame us feel alive again. You've given us the drive again to make 
that's Broadway. Now, Ron was not able to be here this evening, but we sat down earlier this afternoon and we had a phone chat. So I'm going to try to bring this up right now. Hopefully this is going to work here. Uh, this is new technology that I'm trying for the first time tonight. So uh, bear with me. Uh, I'm going to make this work. And let's see if this is going to work here. So, and Ron, I'm glad that you uh, are available to do this uh, for tonight's show. And I want to begin by, of course, we're celebrating uh, the incredible Don Pippen uh, tonight. Uh, how did you and Don originally meet? Well, Don and I have been acquaintances for a long time, but it wasn't only until the maybe the past uh, 12 years that we have become uh, good friends and musical colleagues. We, he and I put together a, a kind of a concert evening together and, uh, and we uh, did it all over the country. It was a kind of um, uh, Ron and Don, he, we called it Broadway Legends. But I, when I introduced Don at the uh, beginning of the cabaret or whatever concert, whatever we did, I said, there's only one legend on this stage, and that is my uh, music director, uh, maestro Don Pippen. And I said, we're going to share a lot of stories with you tonight. And I kind of was the Johnny Carson, and he was the Ed McMahon. And, and I would set him, I would sing my, my big Broadway ballads, the things that I do. And a, a lot of them from maybe shows that he had done, and he would tell stories, and and um, he he would tell one story would trigger another one because you couldn't just say Don, uh, tell me about your career. You kind of had to isolate and a, a show and a a name, and then that would pop up other experiences. And of course, he had an incredibly long run. Uh, and uh, it was it's, uh, it's it was really wonderful, Richard. And he was an incredible raconteur. I mean, his oh stories, uh, and he worked, of course, with so many incredible people. Yeah. And the uh, and what he brought to the table. Uh, there's so many stories that we could go on forever, but I want to know what it was that he brought to the table for you that you carry with you both as an artist. Uh, and as a human being, uh, well, because yeah, those yeah, are... I, yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, I, the thing that comes to mind um, that he and I shared, he was a he was a gentleman of an, a, another generation. He was a part of the golden age, and it and he said, he said, you know, I didn't know I was a part of it. It's just that I thought it would go on forever. But he said. You know, when you think back to the people I've worked with and got to be around and was impressioned by, and he just, it was incredible. And uh, I loved his stories because I'm a, a big uh, history and about the evolution of, uh, of the art form that we all love, uh, uh, the musical theater. And he was, a, he was a really a craftsman who was a conductor. He, so when he was starting out, I mean, he, was, his, he had really strong ideas and opinions uh, uh, craft-wise and would help, uh, uh, help, he would put his two cents in when he thought it was important. And uh, he, was, he had a very good opinions and he knew how to put together a show. He knew what we need here, you need that. And uh it needs, it needs an up number here we need to do this shade here then you it was um 
I don't know if that made any sense, but I, I no, yeah, he, he, said, he said he was terrific that way. And that and and what I what it was for me was just being connected to that generation and to absorb as much as I could so that I could pass it on to uh, other people younger than I and uh, to keep the information highway uh, going. Well, you talk about passing the baton, no pun intended, of course, uh, and you look at what he brought to the table. I, he was uh, reading his history just recently. He was the last surviving uh, Tony Award winner of the uh, a, a category that doesn't even exist anymore. Yeah. Broadway conductor. Yeah. Uh, I think the last time that award was given was for Hello, Dolly. Interestingly, that Jerry Herman had that connection uh, yes. with Don Pippen, of course. Uh, and uh, you talk about the structure of creating, and you think about, for example, the title track of MAME and just how that one number, if he did nothing else yeah. the rest of his career, that enough is for me. Uh, and then you listen to the orchestrations and the work that he did on a chorus line. You know, he did all the vocal arrangements on. Oh yes, lines. that is just magnificent. Uh, uh, yeah, um, he told me. Uh, you know, he told me um, a wonderful story. I'll share with you, uh, Richard. Uh, when he he worked at Lambertville in the summer when he was very very young. This is before he came to New York. And they, that's when they did one week stock and they do 11 shows every summer. And of course he was in his early twenties. He just gotten out of Juilliard and um, he, he could do 11 shows for three summers. And I mean, operettas and musicals and with stars and, and he came to New York after three years with 33 shows under his belt that he had conducted and done a lot of orchestrating and changing instrumentations because of the the um, uh, the size of the orchestra there at Lambertville. So he had incredible tools when he arrived that uh, and that gave him a lot of confidence. And that's when he went in to um, uh, David Merrick. Uh, he had been assisting, I think, uh, what it had. Um, he had been the 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 uh, the, the rehearsal uh, pianist for Irma LaDuce mm -hmm. and um, and and an assistant conductor, and I think he had conducted a couple some of the performances. But it gave him confidence, and he heard that uh, David Merrick was going to do Oliver and bring Oliver over from from England, and he set up a meeting with with uh, with David Merrick and um, and he was very tenacious and very uh, uh, pushy and wonderful and young and that's what it's all about and he walked into to to uh, Mr. Merrick's uh, office which he described in uh, in full detail uh, and and um, and he said what do you want kid he said i want to conduct your production of oliver and he said, what makes you can conduct, what makes you think you can do that? And he said, because no one will conduct it better than I will. And, and, uh, and he, and David Merrick thought for a little, looking at this guy who was pretty self-assured and said, kid, you got the job. And I, he said, you better be good as you say you are. <laughs> so, and he got the Tony award. <laughs> he got the job and he was as good. 
<laughs> but you know, before I let you go, I want to talk about the man off stage. Uh, you know, I had the pleasure of knowing uh, him in his later years, and it, the one thing that I loved about him uh, was his love of his dogs and the, his, the man off stage and yeah. his love of animals and everything. What are some of your favorite memories of him off stage? Well, you know, uh, Don was a Southern gentleman from Chattanooga, Tennessee. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we're, we're, we're a yes ma'am and no ma'am and yes sir. And, uh, and, uh, and he was very much that to the very end and, and had, a, had a, 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 a pride in the way he walked and carried himself. And, uh, and he did love animals and he loved children and he loved families. He, uh, some of the times we would stay with a, a, friend, a friend of mine would get us into a, a, the community concert series or something. We'd go maybe instead of a hotel, we'd say, well, let's stay with a, the friend. They got a huge house and blah, blah, blah. And he was, especially if they had animals, he loved their animals. And he wanted to know all about the animals and tell me about them. And of course, you know, people love to talk about their animals. And uh, so he was, he was, uh, he was really authentic, Richard. Uh, he, he didn't have a lot of pretense. And uh, at least when I know him, he, he was really right there. And, uh, and an incredible musician. He was an accompanist, that was second to none. Um, he literally sang with you and he could play the 88 and make it sound like there were, you know, two people playing the piano um, with all the notes that he could hit that made you feel so supported um, in your singing. Um, I'm just really grateful that uh, he and I became close in the, in the last 15 years. Although we met, we met d during a, 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 a a show called Teddy and Alice. Oh yes, um, or, or even Colette. I think Colette with Larry Blank, because Larry was uh, mentored by Don, and uh, and then Teddy and Alice is when he was the music supervisor, and then he was he was also the conductor of, of one of the shows my my wife did at the beginning of her career, Seesaw. So that's where he knew her. So, and we just would run into each other and. And then he was going to do a, a symphony concert somewhere. And he'd say, hey, Ron, you know, you want to sing? You got a lot, a lot of classic baritone stuff. I said, absolutely, Don, I'd love to. So it kind of evolved that away that we put together a little, you know, an evening of um, really, really celebrating Don. That's what we were doing. And the music theater uh, of his uh, of his day, and, and and I think you're aware of it too, Richard, that uh, uh, that Encores is doing Dear World and Oliver this year. It, yes, that's, absolutely, that's two of his shows. Absolutely, and I was lucky enough. Unfortunately, I say unfortunately because nobody wants to be at these events. Uh, but I was at the memorial for Jerry Herman, and of course, uh, which uh, we're going to uh, hear. Uh, that incredible orchestration of MAME that yeah. you sang so brilliantly uh, with him conducting. Yeah. Uh, so thank you for doing this with us tonight. And, thank you, uh, Richard, for doing this. And thank you for asking me. And I'm so glad we, we were able to pull it off. Well, and, thank uh, you. We would do it for Don. And uh, Don. I hope to have you back here sometime for a full show. Thank you, Richard. Thank you. All have a good evening. Thank Bye -bye. you. Be safe. Bye -bye. Hi, I'm Larry Blank, and I just wanted to say a couple of words about my mentor and friend, Don Pippen. 
I met Don in 1966 when I was a young kid hanging around stage doors. I went to the stage door at the Winter Garden Theater where he was conducting MAME. I was 13 years old, and I went up to him and I said, Mr. Pippin, I am the president of your fan club. And he said to me, that's wonderful. How many members are there? And I said, at this moment in time, only one. And we quickly bonded. And over many years, he supported my career and was totally responsible for my being hired as a conductor on many Broadway shows, much later, of course. He always said it's good to know who to blame. He lived to the ripe old age of 95, and I have to say I was in touch with him all the time. He was godfather to my children. He truly was responsible for everything good that happened to me professionally, some of the bad things too, but we worked together all the time and I learned so much from him. And he's sorely missed, uh, and I want to say it's really important to have mentors in the business, and he was the greatest. So, rest in peace, Don. You're a great man. Hi, I'm Nick Archer. I'm a friend and colleague of Don Pippen. Uh, Don gave me my first big break, my first show in 1977 with a chorus line, a national company. And subsequently, Don and I worked uh, on chorus line in New York City, as well as a few other shows, La Caja Fall among them. Um, other than the shows, which were terrific, TV shows and record dates and all that sort of thing, I learned a lot from Don's temperament, from his ability to be able to work well with uh, cast members as well as orchestrators, directors, other creative staff types. Uh, he was kind of a model for that kind of, uh, that kind of a position, music director on Broadway. Uh, he was a very loyal fellow to all the musicians who worked with him and for him. Um, and uh, his, his, he could teach you a lot musically. He was a superb pianist, excellent conductor, wonderful arranger, composer in, the, in, in his own right. Uh, he was very highly regarded around Broadway, that's for sure. And uh, Broadway, it's a great loss for Broadway to lose Don Pippen. Uh, luckily for us, he's left a, an excellent, very comprehensive legacy of music and arrangements, um, which are in many sense timeless because they're so well crafted. Um, I also, was, I think he's, he, in terms of him being a mentor, he taught me a lot about how to, how to deal with people in situations that arise or would arise in putting a show together. Um, and his, his friendship and loyalty meant a great deal to me and to a great many others with whom he worked. Um, Rest in peace, Don Pippen, a splendid fellow by any, by any measure. Thanks for listening. Hi, my name is Ray Marchica, and I'm a drummer and percussionist from New York City. I first met Don Pippen in 1978 when the show A Chorus Line needed a percussionist to go uh, for an emergency situation to go on the road uh, with one of the road companies. And in order to do this, I had to learn the show <coughs> kind of quickly. Uh, and, uh, and then within three, three days, play it in New York City so Don could hear me and then either approve me or disapprove me uh, to go on the road. So uh, I got approved. I played the show for Don and uh, the show never happened. But I continued to sub on a chorus line in New York City that summer. 
And then soon after, another position opened up for a different road company of a chorus line, which needed a drummer, a drum set player. Now, I was recommended to Don by my uh, college music professor, Morris Lang, who knew the contractor of a chorus line, Herbie Harris. So that's how I got in uh, to chorus line in the first place. So in order for me to go on the road to play drums, I had to audition again for Don. But he, Don liked the way I played percussion, and this time I had to play the show at the Schubert Theater at 8 p.m. on a weeknight for Don so he could approve me to go on the road once again. And this time it was um, a little more pressure because it's the drum set chair and uh, the, the drums really drive the show. So I got to the Schubert Theater early and tuned the drums and then Don walked into the pit about five to eight with his coffee cup in his hand, smiled, winked at me and uh, just made me feel really confident that, that this was going to be good. And lo and behold, eight o'clock came, played the show and it went really well. And I got the gig. Uh, about a year later, I came back to New York and Don was uh, involved with another Broadway show called A Broadway Musical which was a show that Charles Strauss wrote the, wrote the music for, and it was very short-lived. But nonetheless, Don gave me my actual first Broadway chair. And then a couple months later, Don got the position as musical supervisor at Radio City Music Hall. And he uh, recommended me to do that. And there I was, a 24-year-old young drummer, and Don chose me to go to Radio City with him. I owe so much to Don, uh, my Broadway career, and so many other gigs that he gave me. I played on the Miss America show, television shows. Uh, I met my wife, Nina Hennessy, at Radio City. He hired Nina to be one of the singers at Radio City. So Don is uh, such an important part to my life. I will always remember him. I love him, he's irreplaceable, and I think of him all the time. Thank you. Well, if you're good enough for him, you're good enough for me. <laughs> How are both of you? First of all, welcome, and I'm so glad that you're both here tonight. I, I'm, I'm very nervous about one thing. What is that? The internet service here. In is it, it, it's iffy? Well, as you can see, it is iffy. Uh, well, if it's that iffy, uh, it's iffy. Uh, and while we're waiting for them to come back, uh, that is Ohio. Why, oh, why, oh, why, Ohio? Uh, Marsha Milgram Dodge is here. Uh, so, Marsha, I've got you on. Uh, how are you this evening? I'm good. Hi, everybody. Well, they're frozen right now. Oh, they are. Happy Don Pippin Day. Yes, they're frozen in Ohio, which oh, is... Oh, dear. That's kind of redundant, isn't that? Like, <laughs> what's that line beat... from a chorus line? You beat me to the punch, but Suicide are you back with in Ray Buffalo? and Nina? Yeah. We're back. Hi. <laughs> but they are there with uh, Nina's parents, uh, God bless them, who... Uh, you know, uh, Nina, you said your father was a musician. Yeah, 
My dad was a the voice was his instrument, but he's one of those guys that pick up any instrument. So growing up, you know, he could play a horn, he could play the guitar, he could play a little piano, uh, but he was a jet fighter pilot. So I think that the three of you are meeting for the first time, uh, yes. Ray and Nina and Marsha Milgram Dodge, phenomenal uh, director. And I'm thrilled that you're here tonight because Marsha, I'm such a fan of your work. And I know that you know that already. Ah, you're you so sweet. That. Thank but you. It's the truth. Um, and you met Don uh, yourself originally when you were uh, working on uh, Music Man at City Center. City uh, Opera. Uh, City Opera, excuse me, uh, with um, uh, Bob Gooden was playing uh, Harold Hill. Right. Uh, and you were fairly new in, or young in the business. Yeah. Uh, so this was just a few years ago. Um, you can say and- it. I'm very proud. It was 1988. Wow. Wow. I know. And, and I was I was completely starstruck that I was going to be working with Donovan. I mean, so just from you, a chorus line you had, mentioned, you had mentioned earlier that you had just come. I mean, essentially from Goodspeed Opera House, mm-hmm. and so to have this opportunity to work on such a classic uh, American musical as uh, Music Man. And to be working with such a classic American icon of the musical theater as Don Pippen, uh, that must have, I, I can only imagine the heady experience that that was uh, doing with the somersaults in your head and in your stomach. It, it truly was amazing. I mean, I had to go meet Beverly Sills and Arthur Masella and Don Pippen. And I had just come from doing a new musical at good speed. I was the choreographer of a musical based on the Little Rascals. And it was a complicated, crazy experience, but somehow my name ended up in Arthur Masella's inbox somehow. And so I had this meeting and I'm and I was incredibly intimidated because there's La Diva herself, Beverly Sills there, and Don and Arthur. And they hired me. And then it was roll up your sleeves and let's get to work. It was it, it, they made me at ease and invited me into that, you know, collaboration in a very big way. And um, it was an intense experience. Working in opera was very different than working in the musical theater. Uh, rehearsal studio is a whole nother thing. And the understudies would st- stand behind the principals as we were staging and learn their blocking at the same time. And Don was such an such an inspiration because he always had joy and a smile on his face even if we were looking at something and it was you know like falling and crashing and burning don was always upbeat positive we're gonna fix this this is no problem and so i mean i heard um his colleagues talk about what an example he was in how to collaborate and that's something i learned from him and really appreciate just being able to walk in the room and like the MC in Cabaret says, leave your troubles outside and come in here and everything is beautiful. So it's kind of, it was, it was, it was daunting. I kind of bowed to him all the time. I was like, hello, sir. I'd call him (laughs) sir. And he would just sort of put, you know, disarm me and put me at ease and, and make me feel like I belonged there, which was just such a gift for somebody like me who was, you know, scrappy and just trying to get in the room where it was happening. And 
Um, I'm still that way 40 years later. So. Well, I want to talk about a couple of things with all three of you. Uh, number one, I mean, today, believe it or not, is Be a Kid Again Day. And one of the things that I was thinking about is, you know, as uh, Ron, uh, Ron Raines, you know, we had talked earlier about this and also Larry Blank referred to this, of him having that, um, I want to be polite here, the right uh, phrasing of going in to David Merrick saying, I want to be uh, the conductor on Oliver. And I am the right one for this. And yeah. my God, let me do it. Not only does he get the job because he proves himself, uh, but he also wins a Tony Award in the process of doing this. And I think about that um, enthusiasm uh, of the theater. And in my conversations with him much later in his career, he still felt like that little kid from Macon, Georgia, um, who had that little boy wonder of what the theater is truly all about. And if, you know, and it was all about collaboration, I think for him and what everybody could bring to the table. And I heard, you know, uh, it, you know, in the stories and Amber Edwards and her brilliant documentary on uh, words and music on Jerry Herman. And they talk about how, you know, the various pieces that came together uh, to make uh, the uh, MAME work, the title number, mm. and how it kept building and building and building. And of course, so much of that is Don Pippen, but it's all of the elements that came together. And if the three of you can talk about what it was like to be in the room where it happens, to watch him collaborate with the other people in the room. Do you want to go, Ray? Go ahead. Hi. I I'm glad I'm, we're back live. We kept cutting in and out. I'm really sorry. There's nothing, we, there's nothing we could have done about it, but we changed rooms and maybe it's better now. So my first experience, like I said in my little uh, video clip, was playing chorus line and how I was a, a, just a young, inexperienced drummer and he just instilled confidence in me and he was almost not nonchalant the first time I played drums for him. And it, it just made me feel great. And, and he, he would just with minimal effort conduct that show. Yep. I think they froze again. They froze again. Uh, so if you want to pick up there. Okay. Um, I was, I, I mean, the thing about Don was he was always a yet. He said yes to everything. He never said no. So if I had a tempo question or if I wanted to slow something down, he never gave me, but this is what it's supposed to be. He always was very uh, elastic and allowing me, even if he knew that I was going too slow or too fast, he allowed me the opportunity to learn on my own mm. that it was too slow or too fast. He didn't put the kibosh on it. You know, he said, sure, try it at that tempo. And then he'd look at me afterwards and I'd go, I'm wrong. <laughs> we have to do it this way. And he's like, good choice. You know, so it wasn't like he, he never, he allowed me to make my own mistakes so that I could learn from them. And it also, you know, just informed everything that I did after that. 
watching him conduct the orchestra. I mean, I think it was a 60-piece orchestra down there at the in the pit of the New York State Theater. It was huge. You know, the opera is a very different animal than mm -hmm. Broadway. So um, that was mind-blowing, just being in that theater. Um, it was the closest to Broadway at that time in my career. It was early, and, and he had confidence and jovial conviviality all those words i think it was ron that said he's a uh, uh connected to the the history and the and the the golden age in a way like it, it, he just was elegant and kind and incredibly generous those are my three i think key takeaways from working with don now, Ray, you mentioned earlier, and I'm going to get to you, Nina, but Ray, you mentioned earlier of walking into that room and him giving you that wink and uh, immediately putting you at ease. Um, did you feel from that moment on that you had the job? Well, we lost them again. Oh, so, uh, <laughs> we're going to, why, oh, why, oh, why, Ohio. Um, so, uh, but. I'll I'll continue with you, Marsha. Okay, okay. Um, I have one good story if you want yes, to hear it. Um, after we did Music Man, uh, two years later, uh, Chorus Line played its final performance. And Don invited me to that performance. It was on my birthday. It was April 28th, 1990. It was Chorus Line's, I think, 6,100 and 37th performance schubert alley was like a bar mitzvah Excuse you know, me, was a, the performance where all the cast members from the previous productions all came together that was a different one okay i mean it had it had a variety of cast members in the show but it wasn't that one where there were like a thousand mm -hmm. people on stage i think that was the record-breaking performance okay um but this was the closing night and Don got us tickets, my husband and I, and we sat in the balcony and I got, I had seen the show, I think 15, 20 times when I first came to New York. Um, but we sat in the balcony, but the, what I remember most about Don was being like Barnum, like PT Barnum in Schubert Alley, introducing me to everybody that was Famous. I was the only person I never heard of. Everybody else <laughs> were all yeah. these luminaries of Broadway. And I got to meet Byork Lee. And it was just like, it was like that wonderful place where he, where he knew that this was a big deal for me. And he had time for me. That, I mean, on that night of all nights, what's he hanging around with me for? Do you know what I mean? So even though, you know, I didn't continue my relationship with Don, you know, beyond those couple of years that we had, it was palpable, potent, and unforgettable that he would take time for me, especially that night. I mean, I will never forget that. Well, I will tell you, that's my experience with him. I mean, you know, like, as I mentioned earlier, being, having him on a panel, when I reached out to him, he was always there. And why don't you speak, get this person on the panel? Let me, let me make a phone call for you. Uh, and he would make those calls and get, you know, all these incredible artists to, you know, come along. He said, we're going to do this together. Let's, let's all be. And it was just amazing yeah. the people that he brought together uh, to do that. Um, once you started working with him, uh, 
were there down times where you were just able to just hang out and have those moments of just being uh, friends, pals that were not? You know, I, I, I don't even think we had a meal together. I think it was just kind of a, I lived in the neighborhood. I live near Lincoln Center. So mm-hmm. I think I just went home every night to do homework and be prepared for the next day. I will tell you one other story that was amazing. We were working in the basement of the New York State Theater in rehearsal. And Jerome Robbins was just starting to develop his concepts for Jerome Robbins Broadway. So Don, I think Don was even playing the piano for me that day. And we were running the library dance. And Don had to go. And I was packing up and just about to leave. And, but we had 15, you know, or 10 minutes left on the clock. And I said to everybody, all right, let's do it one more time. So we just started to do it again. And Jerome Robbins walked in the room. So I was like, what do I do? Do I stop? Do And I just kept going because we were like rehearsing. So I kept going and then I thanked everybody and Robbins just stood there. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't know what to do. So I walked over to him and put my hand out and said, I'm so happy to meet you. And you're such an inspiration. And the reason I'm lucky enough to be in this hallowed ground. Right. Mm -hmm. And he, and he didn't take my hand. He kind of, he kind of hit it and my heart sunk. And the next day I told Don about it and, and he hugged me and he said, don't, don't even think twice about it. Just carry on and do your work. You're doing great work. And it just was a kind of weird, like meet your hero moment and then be like, oh, that wasn't as good as I hoped. But Don was there to say, "That's you know, all I basically, no. forget about him. Focus on your work. You're amazing. You're wonderful. You know, stay the course. So he was there to sort of buoy me up, talk me off the ledge, as it were, you know. So I'm going to, you know, we, we've got them twice here. So I'm going to do this. Let me, uh, uh, there okay. we are. So, <laughs> so uh, but, but basically what you're saying is that he, he was essentially saying that's on him. It's not on you. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And you know what? I've just started to understand that if somebody says something icky to you or tell, you know, it's their problem. You can't sort of, and that came, you know, he taught me that back in 1988 and I just forgot about it till. Well, I'm today. glad you said that tonight because I had that experience this afternoon. And, oh uh, no. So uh, thank you. Uh, yeah, no, I mean, Don, thank gonna, you. Thank you, Don, because if someone's just, is going to behave badly, that's not you, that's them. And you don't yeah, need that. Thank you yeah, for just, that. So Don, to us. Thank you. (laughs) So Ray and Nina, are you actually here or is this a frozen picture? I don't think think that they're actually here. uh, uh, But you know, I mean, obviously, I mean, you are, uh, you know, with the work that you do, uh, your knowledge of the history and everything, you've obviously were very familiar uh, with his body of work. I love to refer to it before uh, walking into that room with him. I know. Uh, when you got that call that and the team that was going to be involved with this, what were your thoughts on that? Oh, I, I, I just was giddy. 
I was giddy. And then the, and then it, then it hit me that I had to really deliver the goods that if I didn't deliver the goods, I'd be found out as a big imposter. Right. So I think we all go through that. I'm sure Ray and Nina can attest to that too, that you say yes to a job and then you go, Oh no, how am I going to do that job? I, I have no tools for that. I have no skills. I'm a, I'm a phony. So you kind of go through all that, but I'll tell you, walking into that space every day with Don and Artie and, and Bob Gunton and, um, oh gosh, the designers were amazing. And it, it just was heady and being, you know, and Beverly Sills popping in, you know, and uh, the city ballet, you know, dancers just, you know, running down the halls and it was it was exciting and staggering. And, and even if you've, even if and it was Mr. Robbins, who, you know, I'm not going to deny his genius, but he wasn't no. a very nice guy. But even if it wasn't the experience that you were expecting, you got a great story out of it. Yeah, it's a, it's a pretty good story. <laughs> <laughs> so oh, Nina, yeah. uh, you can hear me. You can yes. uh, so, uh, talk fast. <laughs> so, I'll talk Yes, I want to hear from you, uh, because we haven't heard from you tonight, um, your experience of Don and, you know, and were there lessons that you learned from him? And I always like to learn what you learn from these geniuses of the theater, and he truly is a genius, uh, that you carry with you not only as an artist, uh, but as a human being. Well, um you know, as actors, who we audition all the time and we don't get all the jobs. And I learned from him from the very start. You never know what's going to happen because the first time I auditioned for him, it was for um, not Sleeping Beauty, but the, they were doing um, one of the Disney. Snow White. Snow White. And I went in to audition for Snow White. I didn't get cast, but I got a call back to go to Radio City about a month later. Um, and it was a callback for the finals for the Radio City Christmas Spectacular. Oh, yeah. And Dawn had asked me, like he'd said, nope, I want her to come in. And um, I ended up covering all of the singers and all of the dancers um, and the Rockettes in their specialty material. So I said yes to basically the actor's nightmare and went on stage the first time I performed it was a solo one of the dancers wasn't there I was in the wings because you're always in the wings if you're covering to to do your homework and I'm the one who told the stage manager that she wasn't in her preset um <laughs> and they didn't have costumes for me um but I ran upstairs and they put some shoes on my feet and pinned the costume around me and I went on stage with my braid and no makeup um and John Salvatore, wonderful dancer, was the prince with me, and because it was a it was a little duet that opened the whole show. Oh my god! <laughs> I popped out of my box, and John just told me, "Okay, Shanae left five times, then run to me and do a jeté, and I'll dip you." And we just he was just in 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 one ear or in the other ear, and we got through it. And then the whole show was like that. The Rockettes telling me, you know, kick your kick their <laughs> It was insane. In unison. I survived. Um, and, you know, that wouldn't have happened if, if Don didn't say, hey, Nina, come here. And um, and then I stayed at Radio City with him um, for a, a two or three more shows. Um, and then I got Annie on the road. Um, and Don sent me off, like, 
go have a wonderful time. And when I got back from Annie, there was a position open in Woman of the Year on Broadway. Um, and a, a colleague of mine from Radio City, Susan Powers, was the original in that role. Yes. Um, and Susan said, Nina, you'd be perfect to replace me. So I went to a, they, she gave my name to Eddie Nolfi, who was the dance captain. And, um, and Don already knew me. Um, but the director didn't know me. However, so I was there with, with five other dancers and I booked the gig. Um, and that was my first Broadway show was Don Pippen conducted. Um, mm. There's something very, just that I love about Don that um, I loved watching him from the audience when he would turn around and bow to the audience and then turn back and conduct. And there was that shock of hair that <laughs> a little bit, just a little bit. Um, and he's just so debonair and strong, powerful, tall, and, you know, and that, and a gentleman, you know, on the podium. Um, and I never heard him raise his voice. And I met him in many, many situations after that. Um, although I didn't work with him again, I'll, I did some jingles and, you know, every once in a while, so we need a soprano, Nina, can you come in and sing a note, you know? Um, but I saw him mostly in the house, you know, if a show is happening or in passing and he knew about every show that was going on because he was, he was a show doctor. Yes. Everybody mm. called him in and said, what's not right? Don, can you just give us, you know, give us your opinion? I, I remember being in some orchestra, orchestra rehearsals for the Broadway shows and he would stop the rehearsal and he would know how to fix it. He'd say, okay, second trumpet, third trumpet, you're playing the wrong notes or lay out. He just knew, he just knew inst instinctively yeah. how to fix on the fly. Great ears. He had the best Great. ears. He could ears. hear everything. And as yeah. a drummer, his beat, when he conducted, he, he used like minimal motion. He would, he would conduct like this. And he, mm. he would hit the accents. And it, for, for me as a drummer, it just was so easy to follow. And his downbeat was a downbeat. It was like very, the orchestra played right there. He'd snap it. It was, it was just, there was no, no one like him for me to play yeah. drums. Yeah, it was an easy one to find, you know, when you're looking, where's one? Yeah, and he didn't, when musicians uh, used to come in to sub in the show, Don didn't nitpick about if, if a saxophone player missed the wrong note. He, he, the whole, he had a, the big picture of the show in his mind always. So he didn't, he never felt, he never made a substitute musician feel intimidated. Oh, I missed a note. He would, wow. he would, you know, wink, just smile and say, don't worry about it. Just, he was great. I'm going to ask each of you a question as we are winding down and maybe you have an answer for this and maybe you don't. And Marge, it's going to be interesting to get your perspective on this as a director. Now we are in an age where there's a lot of revisals happening with shows. And you mentioned earlier about tempos and things that uh, Don was not like dead set that it had to be exactly as it was played before. Um, and, you know, and it was mentioned earlier that both Dear World uh, and uh, Oliver 
are both going to be at Encores uh, this uh, next season, which I'm excited about because I love both of those scores. Um, and, uh, you know, Richard Rogers, anyone who knows uh, his history, he was a stickler for everything being exactly as it was written. And, you know, as people come along, there's a lot of flexibility with some people and they're, you know, without going into names or certain, there's a particular production that was done recently. And there was a lot of controversy about all of the uh, changes and the flexibility that was done with a particular production. What are your thoughts uh, when it comes to how these productions are being presented now? Um, do you think that it is it behooves them to stick with the orchestrations as they were uh, originally written? Or do you think that the flexibility of trying to find new ways of presenting them is the way to go? Or do you think it depends it's, on the piece? It's hard. I think it's a show by show thing. I mean, for me, it's oh, I will always go in and not tamper with book music and lyrics, but I will find a new approach a new context. Uh, I will be mindful of my audience. I am expanding the definition of uh, beauty in my recent production of Beauty and the Beast by making very bold casting decisions about how to cast the show. So I, you know, if there, if the estate gives permission and the concepts and ideas are, are exciting and worth digging into and getting rewrites and new orchestrations, then go for it. But I, me personally, I like to take the chestnut and just shake it up a little bit. You know what I mean? I like to take what's already there. And, you know, I've, I've built my career on revivals. I have done several new musicals, but I, I, I am, I am sort of the queen of revivals. Right. And, and, yeah, you owe it to the material to go in and dig in and smuggle in deeper meaning and find new things within it. But, you know, in a way, these music mans and, and now even Ragtime and, and all the Rogers and Hammerstein, they have great bones. I mean, Dolly is a great show. Gower Champion and Don and, and Jerry Herman built a great show. So I don't think... You really need a new orchestration necessarily. I know that choreographers like to do new dance arrangements, but I also learned how to choreograph from the dance arrangements that came with the original production. Mm -hmm. So I kind of love them, but I'm just on this side of being the mm -hmm. old generation, you know? So, Ray, Nina, any thoughts? I'm kind of uh, old generation. But yeah, so am I. Yeah. Some, sometimes budget has something to do with it, you know, unfortunately, in terms of orchestrations that they, they do have to cut that, but if it was a 30 piece orchestra, maybe they have to cut it down to 24. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, if well, you're revisiting a, if you're revisiting an old musical, but you're turning it into a chamber musical for a chamber piece for a smaller theater, I can see, um, you know, so adapting the orchestrations and the arrangements for a smaller cast and and smaller and and lesser instrumentation. But if you're going to go for the the big musical that it was and you're reviving it, yeah, start with 
start with well, inter- uh, Dear World was originally created as a chamber musical. Well, uh, that is- yes, did you know this? No, so yeah, it was, it was yeah, very intimate and uh, and it was because of MAME uh, that they wanted, the producers wanted something bigger and bigger and bigger than what Jerry Herman and Don originally wanted with that production. And, you know, Jerry said it was always a regret of his that it got so out of hand and mm-hmm. Angela got a Tony Award for it, but he... And I, it's going to be interesting to see where Encores goes with that, to see if they'll go back to the original. Uh, but last question, do you think we'll see a revival of MAME in our futures? Hmm. I hope so. <laughs> that would be amazing. I think Christine Baranski did it at the Kennedy Center, yeah. and they were trying to bring it in. Yeah. Um, but it, 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 it unfortunately didn't. I don't know. Yeah. I mean... So- but I want to thank the three of you, and even with the technical issues, we got here. We, so we was, uh, no, but you got here, and I want to thank everybody who uh, sent material in, and you know, and was able to send me your audio and everything. And Ron Rains, you know, I I did a show at five o'clock this afternoon, and ended it, and we did that phone interview like ten minutes. <laughs> it sounded great. Right. Yeah, here it so, is. It was really lovely. <laughs> Excuse me, I've got a, a frog in my throat. Uh, but uh, I want to ask each of you, and then I will, you know, give my final word. Uh, and I'll start with you, Marsha. Um, your final thoughts on Don Pippen oh. and what you think that his legacy will be and how you would like future audiences to remember and think of him and what you would like people who did not know him personally to know about him. Oh, go listen to all those cast albums that he conducted, number one. And we have Larry Blank and Nick Archer, and we have all of his protégés carrying on his legacy. And they are remarkable and wonderful in their own right. And I would I would simply say that, you know, when in doubt, go back and listen to those um, beautiful, fully realized uh, productions that he that he had his hand in and remember his kindness, his generosity and his expert musicianship on all of those. And I, forever, I will be forever grateful. So Don, I hope you're playing beautiful music up there and with all your heroes. So, yeah. and thank you for taking a moment with this, you know, smart act, smart alecky young choreographer when we met. Yeah. And Marsha, I extend my hand to you and I won't pull it away. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Thank you. Yes. Thank you. Uh, Nina? Um, he was just such a kind man. It didn't matter how much time had passed. If we would see one another and say, sit down next to me. There was all, yeah, you yeah. know, the, the chair was there. The, the heart, the hand, the conversation, it's like we had, had no time had passed. Um, and to be in the world that way and to let others feel welcome and, uh, and respected and seen all the time, it's pretty great lesson to have shared with, with me. Hmm. And I hope to carry that on. Yeah, absolutely. Um, as a young musician, when I first met him, the, the confidence that he instilled in me 
to, I, I just hope the younger generations of con conductors and musical directors uh, give younger musicians a chance. And if they find a, a really good young musician that they like working for to uh, be loyal to them and continue to work with them and always be kind. And like I said before, Don always had the big picture in mind with the show. He didn't nitpick. If you hit one wrong note, don't, don't, don't make a big deal of it. Just, it's the whole picture. Thank you. And, and on, on that note, I, I want to say that my experience uh, of him was always, you know, and you all touched upon this, of when he walked into a room, uh, it's like when Mabel walks into a room, when he walked into a room, uh, he acknowledged everyone in the room. Uh, I am reading this incredible book now uh, called Facing the Music. And I'll give a, you know, uh, David Loud. And David Loud is going to be on the show on Thursday. And he talks about being on the podium. And it's a three-pronged job. You're thinking about the audience behind you and the artists that are on the stage. And then there are the musicians in front of you. And that was uh, Don Pippen at all times. It wasn't just when he was standing on the podium. It was when he walked into the room. He acknowledged every single person in the room. And he, was all, he always took the time for everybody in the room. And he always made you, as Marcia said earlier, feel like you were important, that you belonged in the room and that you were part of the process. And it wasn't uh, as, you know, I love the fact that he winked uh, at Ray when Ray walked into the room to, uh, you know, for an audition. It wasn't like, uh, uh, you, know, you walk into some auditions, we've had those experiences where they don't even look up from their phones sometimes. And he was always present. Uh, if you walked into a room, he stood up when you walked into the room. At least that was always my experience. Um, he acknowledged you when you walked into the room. And it wasn't just me, it was everybody. And that's the lesson that I think we can all take from him, that we can all acknowledge everybody uh, always, uh, because I think that's all that any of us want on this planet. We want to be, <laughs> we want to be acknowledged. And if we all take the time to do so, uh, I think that that is the true legacy of Don Pippen. And on that note, uh, as Marcia said earlier, go and listen to those original cast recordings. I love you all and have a great evening. Thank you, Richard. A better tomorrow. I'm going to go listen to Maine. I'll talk with you later. Thank you. Goodbye.